Everyday, ordinary people living extraordinary lives. For the next few minutes, join me as I introduce you to some of them. A mayor in this city needs to understand that and much more. But being able to hit the ground running, that's what we need, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm B. Moore, and welcome to 52 Conversations. The city of Syracuse is searching for a new leader, and there are a number of individuals who have declared their candidacy. Anyone living in central New York has a vested interest in who will emerge as the victor, including yours truly. I've had the good fortune of speaking with a few of the candidates, and I'd like to share those conversations with you. While our next candidate is not a Syracuse native, she is proud to call the city her home and has made an impact here since her arrival. My name is Juanita Perez-Williams, and I am a candidate for mayor of the city of Syracuse. And thank you for meeting with me, but I am here because I love this city, and I believe it's at a place now where we need a mayor who can be there, not just for a few people and not just for a few issues, but can be there for everyone. And I believe I'm that candidate. Welcome to 52 Conversations, Juanita. <laughs> My first question to you is, if you would, Describe that aha moment when you decided that you wanted to run for mayor of Syracuse. That's a good question because I know exactly when it was. And that's because I had been thinking about maybe taking on something like this. I'm not a politician, never had a desire to run for political office, but I knew that I was being prepared for something big. I'm an attorney, I was in the military, I've taught, and I loved this city and knew that there was something very important for me. And so as I started thinking about this, one of the things that I'm kind of known for in, in the group of people I hang with is I pick people up on the street. I don't question, but when I see someone in distress, I pick them up. So I've picked up moms with kids when it's raining, when it's snowing, a group of kids maybe walking in the street because the sidewalks aren't shoveled. I just pick people up. And it never once have I had an issue with anyone. And in one particular time, when I was thinking about doing this and asking for just a sign, is this the thing to do, I picked up a mom. And uh, we were driving home, and she said, do you realize this is the second time you pick me up? And I didn't. And I said, I'm so sorry. And she said, and I know why you don't, because I know people you've picked up. You're known for that. And it was just, I don't know what it is, it was that moment, it was like, I really felt that I was really being led in a way where, not about the political arena, not about you know the agenda, but more of having an understanding and a heart for people who are struggling and so marginalized and you know hearing this conversation of people of, no one ever stops, no one ever cares, no one ever questions, but you've picked me up twice now. Do you realize that? So, long answer to your question, but I knew then that, you know, I, I understand the work that needs to be done, and I'm seeing it right before my eyes. Wonderful. So, you've made the decision to go forward and mm -hmm. plunge into the political arena. What are the necessary qualities that a mayor must have to be effective, in your opinion, and can you describe how you possess those qualities? Okay, great. Well, first of all, let me talk specifically of Syracuse because I know exactly what we need. And what we need is demonstrated leadership. 
We don't need someone who uh, has been in the political arena but talking about the things they may be able to do. I've done it. I have served my country, I've served my state, and I've served my city. And what I mean by that is I have been out there in the trenches, dealing with crisis, making decisions, building teams, and having solutions. So this mayor in this city needs to hit the ground running. We don't have time. We can't wait for someone to figure out what the issues are. We need someone who understands them. And so I offer to you the first thing a mayor for this city needs to be able to do is to within 100 days to impact the most marginalized in this community. And I'm going to do that. And I have a plan for that. Secondly, we need someone who understands service to community. Not from the top down, but from the bottom up. That's what I've been doing. Serve my country and I understand. This isn't about a power trip or being in a leadership role where you have the authority to make things happen. It's about getting into neighborhoods, talking to people, telling them your story, my story. I'm a beneficiary of Head Start, beneficiary of free school lunches. I had to have my college tuition paid for. My parents didn't understand the process. I get that. I get the struggle. I get the feeling of being dismissed and fighting every day just to be heard. And so this mayor needs to understand that's service to community understanding it, feeling it, having compassion for it. And, and this city needs a mayor like that. I think the other thing that this city needs is a mayor that understands relationships, right? This is about a community, about people who are struggling, not about the mayor. We need someone who understands that, and whether they agree or disagree, they can come to the table with anyone. I have those relationships. I've worked at the federal level, I've worked at the state level. I can work with our governor. I can work with people at the Capitol and have the conversations that are impacting our citizens. There's no reason why we should not be receiving some of the funds that we're receiving. We need those relationships. I work very well with our county executive. We've worked on projects together. That's a relationship we have to value. We can't just cut them off. And then relationships with our community. Right now, we have a police force and citizens that are in harm's way no matter how you look at it. Police are in harm's way based on the fact that their resources are limited and they don't understand their community. And the community is in harm's way because of a lack of resources and they don't understand law enforcement. So I want to be that voice that mends those relationships, heals those relationships. I'm a former prosecutor. I've prosecuted police and I've defended police. And so I get that perspective of people needing to feel like somebody values who they are, is going to respect them, give them dignity, and at the same time respect law enforcement and that it's there to protect you. So a mayor in this city needs to understand that and much more. But being able to hit the ground running, that's what we need and that's what I'm going to do. What do you think would be the most important relationship that the city would have to have going forward? Right now, the city has to have a good relationship with the region. We have had this approach of a line drawn, if you will, between the city and the county and then the region being the five counties that surround us and us. And that's not my mindset. You know, this city is the heart of a region. And every day, 45% of the people who go to work in the county of Onondaga come into our city. And we need to respect that and at the same time have a relationship and stop this game of them and us. People from the region want a beautiful city. 
This is where they come to work. This is where they eat in a restaurant. This is where they bring their friends. But there needs to be a respect for the city. People reuse our resources, our streets, our DPW services, our police, our fire, and come and go without any type of, of contribution. So we need to have a relationship where there's, where there's a, a respect and there's a sharing of resources and leadership is talking for the betterment of our region and our city and not a line drawn in the sand. On that same topic, there was recently the Consensus Commission's report yes. in terms of relationship between the city and the county. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to know what your thoughts are about the Consensus Commission's report and how you would approach any potential metropolitan government as mayor if, if elected. Okay. Well, first let me say I think it's a plan uh, with good intentions. Uh, great people came together, as they should have, to talk about how are we going to sustain our city and our region. The problem is the leadership of the city was not at the table. And I'm not going to get into who was invited or not, but going back to my, my, my point I made earlier, the city is the heart of this region. The city should be talking about the benefits that it gives to a region and its own people. Instead, a plan was created really from the county point of view and how the city needs to be molded to fit the county. That's not a good plan. So I don't support consensus being the plan of a merger. I support it in the sense that many of the recommendations, they're great. And as a mayor, I would put them into place right away because you can. You don't have to merge, but you can certainly implement many of these recommendations. So for instance, I'm often asked as a mayor, how are you going to respond to the fact that the tax base for the city continues to decrease? We have less than 50% of uh, companies and industry pay their share in property tax because we're all not-for-profit in this community. We have hospitals, that, you know, educational institutions. Nobody's paying taxes in the city. How are we going to survive? Consensus came up with a great plan. And what other counties and cities are doing is a municipal development fund. What that basically means is no matter where an industry plops itself down in our county, Cicero, Liverpool, wherever, 40% of that tax base will come right into the city to where the people who need it the most get it. So it's a way of sharing uh, a tax revenue. No one's competing for the industry, and we're making sure that revenue is spread around so everybody benefits. I think that's a great idea. We don't need anyone to merge us to do that. We could just do it. So long answer to your question, but there are many things about it that I like. The merger doesn't work. The merger just doesn't work. You don't turn a city into a county overnight. And what they fail to understand from consensus is what a city really is. It's about diversity. It's about culture. It's about a way of life where people can come and go easily and know each other and work together no matter where you come from in this world. County life, rural life, suburban life, it's a different way of life. It's sprawl. It's getting in your car and driving to go where you need to go. You don't turn that into a city overnight. A city means something. And I intend to be the mayor who writes their own modernization plan. And we invite the county to the table to talk about how we as a city are going to benefit this region and grow this region. So if you were elected, what would be the three top areas of focus that you would concentrate on? Uh, number one would be neighborhood revitalization, focusing on poverty. 
Number two, I would focus on education. That's a vital to the sustainability of our community. And number three, small business, because that's the core of how we have survived thus far. Neighborhood revitalization, you can drive anywhere in the city and you can see that we need a lot of work. People are what you eat, and if you continue to see a city that's in demise and no one's taking care of it, and no one's contributing to the well-being of its beauty, its history, its maintenance, people will respond the way they do. And I have a plan where we're going to go into every neighborhood, block by block, and allow the community to have resources to determine how you best beautify your neighborhoods. And if that means putting money into housing and infrastructure and maintenance, then we're going to figure out a way how that community wants to do it. I'm not going to figure it out. The east side's not going to tell the valley how to do that. We're going to talk to communities because I've been going from living room to living room and there are great ideas out there. The new Americans want to rebuild their streets street by street. They know how, that's where they come from, and yet no one's ever listened to them. That's an opportunity for us. If you do your research, many cities that have come back to life have come back to life because of their refugees who want to work, who want to rebuild. We should let them. Communities have been in generational poverty. There's no even thinking of what someone can do on their own because we're often just telling them. This is a benefit. This is where you live and you're devalued because your landlord really doesn't care and no one questions it. Enough of that. We're going to go in and hear what are some of the issues, and if the issues are landlords, we're going to deal with that. If the issues are that you're tired of having dilapidated housing in your neighborhood, we're going to deal with that. But the neighborhood's going to be responsible for it. Okay. One of the issues that Syracuse is facing is the whole I-81, Interstate 81 question, and how does it get redesigned? Right. What's your thoughts about it? Well, first of all, we have to have a mayor who understands the gravity of this particular project the money that will go into the rebuilding of it. Uh, $2.5 billion, I've, I've heard uh, double that at times. And the fact that it's going to create chaos throughout our city for a number of years. I mean, we need a leader that can handle all of that, but then utilize this project as a kickoff, if you will, to get people employed, to open business, to create entrepreneurship in ways where people can start receiving some kind of benefit from this major project. So I don't look at it as what's a design. I look at it, how is it best going to benefit this city? And a design in itself should be something that we are talking about once we know what we want this city to look like. Like how are we going to take this money and redevelop the city? And my research tells me that the street scenario is probably the best design. Mm -hmm. A tunnel doesn't help us. The maintenance for a tunnel will kill us. We know we have salt pits below us. The maintenance for something underground will weigh us down, so I'm not for that. Another viaduct, why anyone would want to talk about continuing to split the city amazes me, but we're getting a lot of pushback from the suburbs who want to be able to drive into the city as fast as they can, not be slowed down, and keep driving past if they have to. That's not what we want in the city. So the street scenario slows people down. You only come through if you necessarily are coming here. If not, and you've got a big truck and you're going to South Carolina, well, so be it. You're, you've got 41 and you can keep on going. But if you want to stop and you want to see the beauty of a city, you come into a street scenario where we'll develop an entire new urban core and we'll have a value in our property in the city 
That's 20 times what it is now. So I tell people to imagine, if you will, driving into D.C. now, how you see mixed housing and retail and cafes and green spaces and this beautiful new way of life where when you come into the city, you can come in five different ways. And where we see the street scenario for Syracuse will be redevelopment of property under the now viaduct that will be something in the place of, I understand, 160, $170 million property value. And that revenue alone will change the city. But it'll be new urban core. It'll be a place we'll all be proud to be part of Syracuse. It'll start to create an opportunity for the rest of the city. And it will slow people down in this community to really value who lives in it and what's important to us. But I'm watching it. I'm making sure that it's a scenario or a design where people feel comfortable coming in and out of Syracuse. But my sense is this next leader needs to understand all of those issues and really just come to a conclusion of what benefits this city the most. We got to run with it. We got to stand up and advocate for it and make sure that no one's left out when we do this. But um, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. You mentioned the refugee population. Mm -hmm. One of the things that Mayor Miner has mentioned is her plan to keep Syracuse as a sanctuary city. Right. And I wanted to know your perspective. If you were elected, would you continue that practice? And as a second part to that mm -hmm. question, how will you defend that position? Right. Good question, because it's not as easy as some have made it sound, because I know it's politically convenient to say you support sanctuary city. But I'm Hispanic, and I come from a community where Border Patrol and police harass citizens. They harass people. That's the way of life, to ensure that they're keeping control of undocumented people. We have about 2,500 undocumented people in the city of Syracuse. And Sanctuary City is meant to protect them from being harassed, questioned on their status. But the question is, does it protect them if they behave in illegal behaviors? It shouldn't, but I think people are frightened of that. So as a former prosecutor, I would support a sanctuary city that's well-defined, and that its intent is to make sure that people who are engaging in everyday practices and business and, and whatever their lifestyles are, that they're not questioned on their status until we're in a situation where, in fact, it has been proven that illegal behavior has taken place. I think that's key, because that's what most people are concerned about. Secondly, I would support it with the understanding that we would define it to ensure that people who are safe here are not in any way threatened of being returned to their homelands. So my point there is, is we have really uh, put uh, new Americans in fear with Sanctuary City, because they believe it pertains to them, and it doesn't. It is for people who are here illegally. New Americans are here legally. They may not be citizens yet, but they're going through a process where they're still being established. We want to make sure they're not harassed. We want to make sure that they know their rights, but we don't want to scare them. So I want to make sure Sanctuary City is defined for a community as to what it's for, who it pertains to, and how it can be utilized to make everyone feel safe. So yes to your question, but I think we need to define it more so people understand what it means and what it doesn't mean. Okay. Another one of your priorities you mentioned was education. Yes. And I'm <clears throat> curious about 
the relationship between the city and the school district and how you would approach that? With the school being a dependent system, the, the unfortunate thing is that I think the city has taken a very reactive approach. The requirement of our city and our school system is that we provide the school system with 50% of the city budget. So whatever we receive from the state, law requires that 50% of that go over to the school system. Thus far, what we've seen from our prior administration is this, this idea that that's where the line is drawn. Nothing more takes place unless we're reacting to something. I want to be a proactive administration. I'm not talking about mural control. That's not what, I'm, what I want to do. But what I offer to the city schools and what I will offer is, no matter how you slice this, 100% of these kids are city residents. And they're entitled to the resources and support of a city administration. So I'm going to be there, forefront, with people who know the education process, working with our superintendent, who, who I think is doing a great job, working with the school board, working with teachers to make sure we're there. We're behind you. And we understand that you have, have students that are coming to school every day with so many issues, sometimes it's hard to teach. So the city's going to intervene. The city's going to be there to support families, to support the resources that the school system needs to make sure that kids can learn, that they are free from harm, and that families have the support services they need. So when I talk about a helping education, I don't mean trying to intervene with the academic process. I mean being the social piece that helps uh, young people and their families figure out how they make it through school, they don't drop out, and they're successful. One other thing I'd add to that, if I could, is I also am interested in being that safe haven in our school systems at the earliest age possible. So I've done some benchmarking, and there are a lot of city schools throughout the country that are now taking in children as young as two, having daycare in a school setting. So parents who struggle uh, from a very early age are already meshed into a school system where they're getting opportunities for resources, whether it's healthcare, food, clothes, you name it. It's a real place, a haven for people at all ages. And I think that's what we have to do to make sure our kids feel that there are warm hands taking them from year to year. Certainly. I'd like to talk a little bit about public safety now. Okay. And I know that Police Chief Fowler has mentioned that when Mayor Miner steps down, he will do so as well. Mm -hmm. And although you might not have a specific person in mind, mm -hmm. tell me about the qualities that the next chief of police would have. Right, right. That's a really good question. I don't have anyone in mind because, again, this isn't a, a political concept for me. It's about who's the best person to lead our city. And my hope is that it's someone who's homegrown in this process of being a police officer. But Perhaps it's someone that's not in our community yet, perhaps someone that has the expertise and has been up against uh, the types of issues that we have faced and can come here and be a contributor to success. So, so what does a chief of police need to possess? Well, being a former prosecutor, I know you need to be able to have relationships with not only your mayor and those who work for you, but your district attorney your court system, your social services, your not-for-profits. This person needs to be able to work in all arenas, understand the perspective of people, understand the perspective of a process that needs to be open and transparent for all community members, no matter who you are. 
So I'm, I, I would be looking for someone kind of like myself, <laughs> really, someone who can hit the ground running, has a lot of expertise, has worked with people in a number of relationships, whether it be at the local level or at the state level, but primarily someone, I believe, that has been homegrown in law enforcement someone who's been doing it in different avenues for their community. So whether as a community police officer, as a, an attorney, as a detective, as a chief of police, I would like someone who has a variety of roles in law enforcement to come here and tell us, or is here, how to establish a system that's there for everyone. Now I know that you're not from Syracuse. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your history here in Syracuse and what are you like about Syracuse? Mm -hmm. Well, you're right. I'm not from Syracuse. Um, but what I offer to people is I think it's a good thing. It's a good thing to have someone come here and want to stay here and like what it offers. And I liken it to the person who has grown up here and leaves for a while, maybe for the get their education or to uh, pursue a job career, and then they come back, right? You see this place for what it really is, what it really offers, that it is a place of beautiful natural resources, history, a place of tradition, safety in a number of ways. It is affordable. It just offers a variety of opportunity that many big cities or many consumed cities just don't offer. So I see that. But what I also see it as is a gateway. I think Syracuse is a gateway. And when I say that, I mean that it is a place of opportunity no matter who you are. That if you work hard, and you're willing to establish yourself, whether at a volunteer level or at a teaching level or at any level, you can start to build relationships here that will hold you up and take you to the next place. I see that when I talk to people, that they see Syracuse. Again, no matter how, how you come at it or where you've lived, that if you want to work, you can work here. If you want to go to school here, you can go to school here. It's a place where there are enough people holding their hands out saying, we can be there for you. And you don't get that in a lot of communities. You get that here in Syracuse. And, and that's why I love it. I've seen the opportunity for myself and for people who struggle. I say to people, and what I would do as a mayor, I would campaign this city around the country. And I would say to young people getting out of college who perhaps are going to go back to a Los Angeles or to uh, an Atlanta city or, or, or whatever the case is, come to Syracuse. Come to a community that's struggling, but at the same time, there's opportunity. Be a commodity here. Be someone who rebuilds a city and helps us take it to a place that you're accustomed to or you've just gone to college to and you know how a community can thrive. There's opportunity here. We're going to be a great city on the map. I promise you, within the next few years, people will start to see our resources and what it offers them. And so my sense is, is that people who come here will inspire those of us who have been here to see what it really is, and that's a gateway to opportunity. And I know when you came here, you, you sort of hit the ground running. If you want to recap yeah, some of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm originally from San Diego, California, which I tell people should tell you that I must love Syracuse because San Diego is a, is a beautiful place. But I have been here now uh, a little over 23 years. I came here with my husband, who was from upstate New York, not specifically Syracuse, but I was appointed by then Mario Cuomo to work for state education uh, once I uh, left the military. So I came here, not sure what I was going to find, and what I found was a very welcoming community. 
not just a city, but a region. And, and what I mean by that is it was the first place I'd ever been in where one's heritage, one's story of immigration, my family, my religion, my, you know, whole being was something that everybody put out there for me and my family. So we got to hang with people from the people that came from the Ukraine and people from the Irish community and from the, you know, the Italians and, you know, food and just all of this. And even the Hispanic community, I had never met, you know, uh, a Mexican-American and where I come from, everybody's Mexican. But here was Dominican and Puerto Rican and, you know, just this variety of people from South America. And I just love the fact that people were so proud of it and, and talking about it. And even in people in communities that perhaps have been marginalized, talking about the day of the 19th Ward, right? Or the 15th Ward and the day when we all worked at a certain factory. And it just went on and on and on. And I just thought, wow, this is a place where people are just so proud of where they come from. And we stayed because I love that. And I tell people from where I come from, for the first time, I was proud to be really Hispanic. Not that I wasn't before, but it really energized me to think about where I came from and who was responsible for my success, because that's what I was hearing. And I wanted my kids to hear that. And they, too, are very proud of where they come from. And so it's a place of um, real ability to think about who you are and what your story is. And I like that. So we stayed. And from there, I kind of hit the ground running. I immediately got involved in politics, not really willingly, but I saw an ad where our first lady at the time was thinking about running for senator. And I went to a meeting and I met Hillary Clinton. And it just kind of blew my mind that here she was going to be in our community. And so I got involved and I did the get out the vote campaign for her. We won big that year for her and I met people in the political party. And before I knew it, I had a job offer at Syracuse University. I mean, and it just grew from there. And that's, again, why I think there's so much opportunity here. You get involved, you meet people. It's a gateway to so much. And so it was something that made me realize that I was welcomed here. It was a place for opportunity. It felt good about being here. And uh, I stayed. And uh, I, don't, I, I want people to know that story. And so I want to represent it. I want to represent this community. And that's why I'm doing this. It's a good story. Mm -hmm. As you've been here and noticed, you know, some of the strengths of Syracuse, what have been some of the weaknesses that you've noticed? And the second part of that being, are there any opportunities that those problems or weaknesses possess? I think for some of our successes, you see the inherent weaknesses. And what I mean by that is the fact that we are, are very traditional and, and very like-minded to those who live within our community. We tend to draw lines. Um, we tend to feel safe in our own neighborhoods, um, whether they're successful or not. We, we tend to want to stay near our homes, and, and there's nothing wrong about that, but cities that are sustaining themselves are thinking globally. They're helping their small businesses reach out around the world. They're helping their young people not just stay in a community, but broaden their horizons and go to school in faraway places. We see people who are now wanting to live downtown as opposed to in our suburbs or in our, in our areas around downtown in the city, and that's a different way of business. So for me, I think it's really about this idea of getting people to think a little bit bigger. <laughs> a mindset that's not just about me, 
but about us as a city and as a region, which is why I talk about our region. No mayor has done that. A mayor has always drawn the line between the city and the region. I'm not going to draw any lines. I'm going to talk about our region, upstate New York, and what we can do globally to grow ourselves. We have got craftsmanship here and manufacturing here and produce products here that are used around the world, and we don't market any of it. When I talk to small business, they'll tell me, we hire. We hire local. In fact, we'll hire people that have no skills because we want to survive here. We believe in hiring local. And what do we do for these small businesses? Nothing. If we do anything, we make life more difficult for them. With our code enforcement processes that are outdated, our zoning processes that are outdated. So long answer to your question, but I'm thinking of a Syracuse that is, is thinking bigger, that we are comfortable in who we are in our neighborhoods, but we need to start thinking about how we sustain ourselves. And the only way we do that is to think globally and to stop drawing these lines and to have strength and unity and unleashing the power of this community and what it offers to the rest of the world. Now, if you were elected, you would make history because you would be the first Latina mayor here in Syracuse mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. first Latino right, right, right. <laughs> or Latina. Yeah, have the big like, five. Yes, yes, exactly. yes, yeah. I feel strange asking this question, but, mm -hmm. but I do want to understand it. Does that matter? And if it matters, how does it matter? Right, right. Yes, it matters. Absolutely it matters. Because it says to the rest of the state that we value diversity. So in that sense, it does matter. And it says to the people of this community that we as a community... Uh, no matter what we look like, no matter what our education is, that we value diversity. And so, yes, I put it out there that having someone that has had a history that's very similar to the many people in this community that struggle, that feel voiceless, having a mayor that looks like them, has a similar story, is powerful. It's the same power you saw when President Obama ran. The lines of people of color who felt hope, who felt inspired, that's what a mayor and this community of color does for the city. But more importantly, the notoriety of having the first Latino of the Big Five. That will say so much to upstate and what upstate stands for, to downstate that is so much more diverse than we are and so much more comfortable with it, that we too as an upstate are comfortable with it. And in fact, we're going to take the lead will be the first to be comfortable with it and to show the rest of the state and perhaps the country that a Latino mayor, a first for us, means more than just a face. It means that we are accepting, we are about sustaining ourselves and opening ourselves up to the rest of the community no matter what it looks like. I'm excited to be that person. I'm going to wear it well. I'm going to wear it with pride. I can't wait to have my first conversation with a little brown girl who talks to me about her future and what does that look like and having the opportunity to say there's no ceiling whatever you want and I'm here to hold your hand to make that happen that's what it means that's why it's powerful and I'm glad to be the one to do it my final question to you is this is there anything you would like to say directly to prospective voters in considering you as their choice for the next mayor of Syracuse? There's a lot of things I like to say <laughs> as being their choice. But let me go back to the beginning, really, where I talk about this idea of demonstrated leadership. We are at a critical time in our history. 
we're vulnerable to the region, as we're finding out with those who think that the city in itself as a government is no longer valuable. We're vulnerable with our high concentrations of poverty that are weighing down the city. We're vulnerable being number 100 in cities with regard to uh, economic growth. We're vulnerable. And make no mistake, this next mayor needs to understand that and figure out how we turn this aircraft carrier around. Because we can. And I want the people of this city and this region to know that that's me. I wouldn't do this if I didn't think it was. But my experiences and the results that I have gotten as a leader for the last 25 years will prove that I not only will hit the ground running, but we'll see a different Syracuse within one year's time. We will see a new face, we will see people inspired, and we will see the lines have disappeared, that we're all in this together, um, and that this will be a community where the power of people is unleashed to do what we need to do to face the crises that we're going to face. I'm the one to do that. I'm going to open the doors to anyone who wants to talk about that, and I'm going to listen. I'm going to be a mayor who listens, and that's what we need more than anything in this community. Juanita Perez-Williams, I'd like to thank you for speaking with me, and it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it very much. To learn more about Juanita Perez-Williams' campaign for mayor of Syracuse, you can go to our website at www.juanitaformayor.com. 52 Conversations is a production of More About You. Join us next time.